if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed it is. And hour number two is underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks so much for joining us. Sorry about being a little bit late back here at the top of the hour. Peter Kersenow is just too good to ask to censor or to limit himself. Uh, really appreciate the conversation with Pete. Also with uh, Tom Zawistowski last hour. More reaction and analysis of Mueller's statement yesterday, including the muddy parts that contradicted his written report coming up in just a bit. Including your reaction to that at 216-901-0945. Or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. But I want to continue now with our tremendous guest list on this, this Thursday. He is a regular guest on this Thursday, Doctor Everett Piper, former university professor at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, now best-selling author and uh, very highly in demand speaker and uh, uh, political pundit as well, Doctor Piper. Oh, and also, of course, columnist for the Washington Times. Let's get all of the titles in there, Doctor Piper. Good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. Nice to join you again. Dr. Piper, you uh, have written and tweeted about several topics that we are going to discuss here momentarily, but I would be remiss if I didn't get your uh, thoughts on what you saw yesterday and the reaction from the media and from uh, uh, most on the left who are trying to take down President Trump. Uh, any thoughts on uh, on what you saw? Well, the inconsistency from Mueller is one thing. Um, the uh, hyperbolic reaction. Uh, from the left is the most concerning thing. They don't care what the facts are. They don't care what the reality is. All they care about is creating their own version of news, their own version of what Trump did do in their minds, and therefore their fixation on taking him down continues to dominate the political scene right now. doesn't matter what Mueller said. doesn't matter what the attorney general says doesn't matter what the facts are this is a reflection of our culture today it's your feelings that matter feelings always trump facts because we feel that trump is a bad guy we feel that republicans are bad people therefore because we feel these things we have an agenda that we're going to pursue and we are going to crush all of us those who disagree with us we will silence them in the media we won't have those pundits on to refute or to debate the liberal or the progressive mind. We will silence them in the social media. We won't allow them to even tweet or post in Facebook or Twitter, and we won't allow their videos or their blogs to be featured in YouTube. It is Orwellian to the max because we've created our own 
ministry of truth. That's where really where we are right now. We have a ministry of truth in George Orwell's 1984 that is dominating the way we digest information and news, and that's a frightening place for us to be right now. Frankly, I think what the Democrats should do is impeach Trump. Go ahead, impeach him, and then let the American people react to the Democrats um, for doing so, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the Senate, and then we'll see what happens in the upcoming election, if you want to really go down that path. Yeah, and I think we already know what's going to happen in the Senate. Mitch McConnell made a statement about that just a couple of days ago, telling them the same thing you did. Go ahead, because we will kill it here in the Senate. There's no way we, he would be found guilty uh, in uh, in a Senate trial, if you will. So, uh, uh, Dr. Piper, let's pivot now to uh, the issue of abortion, which continues to uh, to dominate, quite frankly, uh, the political landscape uh, in many, many states. I think it's Louisiana is the most recent. I want to say it's Louisiana, but I might not have that 100% correct. Um, that is about to... Uh, um, uh, pass another fetal heartbeat law, uh, like the one here in Ohio, and like uh, a, a number a number of others around the country. And um, I, I want to talk about what the uh, Supreme Court did this week with respect to Indiana. They declined to make a decision. Did the Supreme Court on uh, Indiana's law, which was passed by or all signed by rather Mike Pence when he was still the governor of Indiana, and then challenged uh, uh, in a court of law and overturned uh, by a lower court. Uh, about uh, aborting children based on their age, their sex, their race, and their disability, meaning, of course, by their age of gestation, what sex they are, whether or not they are uh, chromosomally abnormal, or uh, their their sex. Uh, they declined to hear that, which is a very interesting uh, decision, especially considering they did uh, make a decision that uh, aborted fetuses, aborted babies, have personhood, and that's why they cannot be discarded as medical waste. They must be buried or cremated appropriately. Um, what does that tell you about the court stand and where this fight goes forward? I don't know what it tells us. It tells us that we believe that the preborn human being is a human being because we think it should be uh, essentially have a funeral mm-hmm. <laughs> after right. we kill it. So they say that, but then they turn around and they say, well, we're not going to make a decision on whether or not it's legal to kill a human being because of age, sex, race, or disability. So this is, this is upside-down thinking, and we really don't know what the court is going to decide in terms of and what, what this all boils down to, Bob, is the definition of a human being. That's what the issue here is. Who decides what's human and who decides what is not human? Is it you or me or the courts? or the Congress, or culture, is that who defines the human being? Or is the human being defined by something bigger and better than you, me, the courts, the culture, and the Congress? I would hope that the answer is the second, that a man and a woman, a boy and a girl, a human being is defined objectively by God and not by you and not by me. Because when you and I attain the authority and the and our arrogance, is um, rewarded in our laws when we start saying we'll decide what's human and what's not we are going to be at a very ugly place that history tells us is where human beings die at the hands of the elite the oligarch those who decide that they are better than a certain group of people margaret sanger had this in mind the eugenics that's endemic in this decision to allow our country to continue to kill people because of their age, they're too young, because of their sex. You don't like their sex. You'd rather have a male or a female because of their race. Blacks are disproportionately targeted for abortion. That's a fact. Or because of disability. Another fact is Down syndrome children are 
targeted for abortion. So when we can start targeting human beings simply because we do not like their age, sex, race, or disability, we're at a very ugly place. So I don't know what the Supreme Court's decision meant by tabling that one. I'm thankful for the other side of their decision by acknowledging that this human being deserves a funeral. But why in the world didn't you take up the issue of stopping people from killing the human being in the first place that is going to require you, by law, to have a funeral for that person? Yeah, and and, and essentially, uh, these are abortion. This is discrimination. These babies are being discriminated against by uh, those various categories that we mentioned. If they don't meet the right category, then it's okay to kill them, and that's, uh, that's, that's unconscionable. Now, let's talk about this. Uh, as we pivot to your most recent column in the Washington Times, because we are talking about morality, we are talking about uh, uh, s- simple decency and humanity and the recognition of humanity. I gave a speech last week, actually about two weeks ago now, I should uh, apologize to the Cuyahoga uh, Valley Republican Club here in uh, in Northeast Ohio. The things that you and I just mentioned with respect to issue they are the party of death i call them pods and and, and, and we can go up and down the the list of different things that separate uh progressive liberals from conservative believers in life and i said at the end of my talk that i would put our morality against theirs uh, every day of the week and twice on sunday because that's particularly appropriate and i found it fascinating that you literally just wrote a column about the very same thing about the moral high ground that the left is trying to claim while uh, promoting death and while promoting the discrimination against uh, against uh, defenseless beings, meaning unborn or preborn babies in that process. Can you expand? Yeah, my article last week in the Washington Times deals with the very same thing as you just described, Bob. Um, and I cover three recent news stories. Devin Erickson and his shooting of his classmates in Denver, Brian mm-hmm. Sims and his vitriolic verbal abuse of Catholic girls and women in Philadelphia, and then Jim Carrey's graphic picture of Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, where he actually depicts her brain being extracted and her consequent death, suggesting that she should be aborted, should have been aborted, never allowed to live. And then mm-hmm. we've got uh, Rashida Talib and Ilyan Omar, the two Muslim women in our Congress. And I said, what do all these people have in common? Well, they have something very clear that is in common. Hatred. Hatred of Christians, hatred of Jews, and hatred of their morality, our morality. For example, Erickson makes it very clear that he hates Christians before he goes and shoots his classmates in Denver. Sims makes it very clear that he's anti-Christian and that he's a bigot and that he can't tolerate Catholics who simply want to pray for the dignity and the life of the preborn and that they should be saved from execution. And then Jim Carrey's artwork speaks for itself. He hates Christian morality and hates Christians. And then Omar and Salib, what do they hate? They hate Jews and they dehumanize them as characters of Benjamins who control the world through manipulation and money. And there's one other thing that all of these people have in common. They align themselves with LGBTQ activists. Why is that important? Because if you can't tell me that a given sex act that sex excuse me, sex act is wrong, then on what basis can you tell me that any act is wrong? Because you just took the objective standard out of the uh, measurement of morality and you made yourself and your opinion and your feelings higher than that objectivity. And then I concluded my article by suggesting this. It's proven in the Bible that when you can't tell me that given sexual acts are wrong, then you lose your ability to tell me that anything is wrong. For example, David did not leave um, 
Bathsheba's bed to go write a psalm. He left her bed to go kill Uriah. He did not leave Bathsheba's bed to write a psalm. He left it to go kill Uriah, her husband. So David himself is an example of the loss of objectivity when it comes to sex results in the loss of objectivity when it comes to measuring other moral issues. And that's a dangerous place for our culture to be, and it's exactly where we are. Dr. Everett Piper joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, as he does each and every Thursday. Dr. Piper, going to use this uh, opportunity to take a time out. You brought up the LBGTQ community and movement and agenda, and I call it the LBGTQ mafia. Uh, it is struck again in the state of Maine. I'll let you tell that story, and we'll analyze that together as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer, back after this. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 1026. Now, I've got just four minutes left to talk to Dr. Everett Piper about the LGBT community. The latest, uh, actually two bizarre stories here. Doctor, you and I talked about the impact of LBGT and transgenderism on women in sports. Over the uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, we got another example of it. A biological male who was in the NCAA track championships a year ago as a male and finished second to last now says he's a female and ran in the uh, uh, the 400 meter uh, 400 meter hurdles on Saturday night of this past Memorial Day weekend and won the national championship, stealing that title from what would have been a deserving second place finisher who uh, should have won it, who is an actual female. So that atrocity continues. And speaking of atrocities, uh, let's talk about what's going on in Maine. Uh, Maine has become the 17th state to ban conversion therapy. In other words, the psychological disorder that has a male thinking he's a female or a female thinking that she is a male cannot be treated. No therapy for that psychological disorder. It has been banned in the state of Maine. Would you take that, please? All right, let's deal with Maine. Um, Conversion therapy, illegal, now in Maine, as well as 16 other states. So if you're a counselor and somebody comes to you, and says, I'm not happy with my sexual behavior. I would like to figure out a way to control it and to live a different lifestyle. If that sexual behavior in question is homosexuality or transgender, then it's illegal for you to give them counsel to help them. Now, what about it being my body, my choice? If And what about it being freedom? What about the attitude that sexuality is nobody else's business? Stay out of the bedroom. The LGBT community has turned everything upside down right now where they're controlling what kind of counseling you can get. They're controlling the behavior that's acceptable and not. So it's this claim of the moral high ground where Christian morality is disparaged, and we're going to elevate our secular version of what is sexually acceptable. This is a perfect opportunity for us to engage in the cultural debate and say, wait a second, I thought you were for freedom, freedom of choice and freedom for deciding what you want to do sexually. Now you're telling us that you're absolutely against it. And another thing that's very important here, Bob, is this ruse, this fake term of conversion therapy. That is not a technical term. What they're doing is they're making it sound like they're disagreeing with long-discredited practices like electroshock therapy, which was not Christian in nature. It was secular in nature. That's not what we're talking about. What they're making illegal is simply talk therapy. It's illegal now for a counselor to talk to a client about controlling his sexual appetite 
in a, within the boundaries of a Judeo-Christian ethic. That's what they're talking about. They're making it illegal, and they're making it illegal for you as an individual to even seek and find that professional help. You know what's really disgusting and disturbing about this, Dr. Piper, is I just literally read a story, and I can't remember the person's name, but somebody who said specifically it's because of the conversion therapy, and you're right, that is a misnomer, but it's because I was allowed to seek therapy for my psychological problem, my disorder, that I have reformed, reshaped my life, and I'm living my life happily as what I am, which is a male. This is somebody who thought that he was a female and just needed the the, the counseling that was um, available to him, and, and he is so happy because he said he was going to kill himself. He was suicidal over all of this before he received the treatment that he needed. And it's unfathomable, it's disgusting that 17 states now are saying that person can't seek out that treatment if he wants to in order to even to save his own life, all because of the agenda advanced by this community. Yes, spot on. They would take this man who wrote that article, he said in 1989, if I would have been prohibited from seeking this counsel, I would have gone and killed myself. So now they're saying... We're prohibiting that. You can't get this counsel. So you will suffer the consequences of our decision and our morality, or amorality, I should say. Keep sounding the call, uh, Dr. Piper, and uh, shining a spotlight on this with your great work at the Washington Times. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Blessings. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Everett Piper, joining us. It's 1030 now, which means finally you can be heard. (laughs) We've had guests pretty much all morning long. So if you've been waiting to be heard on Mueller or any of the rest of these stories, please dial now 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Guest-free the rest of the way. Ten thirty-five, rolling right along are we. My fifth hour of radio this morning. I hope you were with me for at least some of the Hugh Hewitt program this morning. Hopefully Hugh's feeling better and has his uh, voice back so he can come back tomorrow and give his analysis of everything went on today. Before I go back to your calls, or go to your calls rather, because we've been very busy today, obviously, with guests, that story I just talked about with Dr. Piper about the, uh, the uh, 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 sports story, it, 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 how can women, how can feminists possibly support this movement, this LGBTQ movement of transgenders, males who are biological males with all of the physical gifts and attributes that biological males have over women, uh, females, uh, when it comes to their bodies? And uh, you understand, I don't want to hear anything about better at this, better at this, just just physical this is human uh, human anatomy this is physiology this is just the way that it is men are bigger stronger faster than women that's just the way that it is and how can women how can feminists how can liberal women be okay with this yet another biological male stealing a woman's championship crown from her franklin pierce university runner cc telfer a guy Won the Division II women's 400-meter hurdles on Saturday night, besting the second-place finisher by more than a second. Telfer is the first student-athlete in Franklin Pierce history to collect an individual national title, the New Hampshire school announced proudly. It was tough conditions out here with the wind and the heat over the last three days, but as he has over the last six months, CC proved himself to be tough enough to handle it, FPU coach Zach Emerson said in a news release. Now, FPU coach Zach Emerson said her and she, I will not. Um, 
Today was a microcosm of her his entire season. He was not going to let anything slow him down. Yeah, that's because he refused to race against other men. Last year, oh my goodness, the coach also said, I've never met anybody as strong as her mentally in my entire life. Physically either. Running against them, women. Last year, he ran against men and finished second to last. This year, running against women, hey, look at my championship. I'm, I feel great. Well, that's wonder. You know, it doesn't feel great. The second place finisher, a woman who would have had the title. The third place finisher who would be able to say, I was runner up. And everybody who did not place. That's who, that's who isn't feeling really great about this right now. This is just go, every week we see another example of this. Male runners dominating in female sports because they say they feel like females because of their psychological problems, their own uh, dysphoria, their own inability to, to accept what they are. Uh, now women have to pay the price for that. Women's sports are dying. How can women, how can feminists, especially liberal feminists, how can you support women losing their place in sports to biological males like this? You can't, but I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's go to the phones as promised. Navy man Norm in Strongsville has been waiting the longest. You're on AM 1420. The answer, good sir, go right ahead. Bob, I hope you forgive me for my use of the vernacular, but uh, after watching uh, Mueller pimp for the Democrats yesterday, um, it, it's uh, the next phase of their uh, distraction campaign and move on to impeachment. And my question again is this to the rhinos, where are you? Where are the Republican senators standing up for and by the president? I don't see him. I don't see McConnell. I certainly don't see Portman. I think he's a joke. He's almost as big of a joke as uh, Sherrod Brown. But I don't see them standing by our president or behind him or have his back. And that's the most dis- disconcerting thing for me as a, as a Trump supporter, as a veteran for Trump, and as an American. We have a commander-in-chief <clears throat> that stands alone. He literally stands alone, Bob, with the exception of a few people like Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes. Uh, <laughs> the Republican Party, as far as I'm concerned, whenever they send me any solicitation for funds, I basically write across what I think of them and mail it back to them, along with a few pieces of toilet paper. But that's my stand this morning. Well, Navy Man Norm, I appreciate uh, everything that you said. I would stand up in defense, however, of Mitch McConnell in this particular story because McConnell uh, has essentially challenged the Democrats to impeach him, saying this will die in our side of the legislature. McConnell has defended the president. Uh, GOP senators said earlier this week that if the House passes articles of impeachment, they will quickly quash them in the Senate, where Mitch McConnell has broad authority set to set the parameters of a trial. Lindsey Graham said, I believe it would be disposed of very quickly. If it's based on the Mueller report or anything like that, it would be quickly disposed of. John Cornyn, an advisor to McConnell's leadership team, said nothing would come of impeachment articles passed by the Senate. Um, and Mitch McConnell, as, as indicated, the very same. So I think he's doing just fine, basically telling them, don't bother with this. If you do, it's going to be embarrassing for you because it's going to be killed here on our side very quickly. And that's... 
you know, that, that is a standard of standing up for the president. It might not be, you know, the loud vocal uh, support you get from a Lindsey Graham, from a Jim Jordan, from a lot of others. But Mitch McConnell, I think, and it's important since he is the majority leader, is making a statement saying, this is a waste of your time, Democrats. Do not do this. We will not support this on the Senate side. Let's go to uh, Brexville. That's where we find George on AM 1420. The answer, you're on, a, uh, you're on the air. Go right ahead, George. Yes, Bob. I understand that uh, the freak show going on again at the library. Uh, I wish you could maybe um, tell us the telephone number for that Melissa lady. She seems like a great person. She'll be running for office. I would like to give a donation to her. Well, that is nice. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't have a phone number for you, George, but I can tell you that her website that she told me about yesterday is Atkinson for Senate, A-C-K-I-S-O-N, Atkinson for Senate. Uh, and, um, and that's where you can find a donation, uh, uh, donation uh, button there. Uh, I know she would appreciate it. I know she's getting a lot of great donations now as she runs for the Ohio Senate. Um, but if I may, um, when you said it looks like the show is back on again, um, you're, you're, are you saying right. that what we talked about yesterday has changed? That, that's right, Bob. I, I watched TV this morning, and they say it's on again. I did not see that, and I have not heard from anybody about that, but I will look into it. And, uh, and if it is oh, going right. on, I know that Ohio Value Voters is all over this. I know Melissa <clears throat> Ackeson is all over this as well. She is a bulldog, an absolute warrior for defending children. And, uh, again, according to my understanding, as of yesterday when we talked to her, it was canceled. This uh, drag queen shows at uh, for children at uh, library reading hours um, that this had been stopped. That was the last I saw. I have not seen anything about it since then. So if it is back on, it's news to me, and I will try to find uh, find out what, you know what what the opposition is going to be to that. But yeah, her website, like I said, just uh, just go to I believe it's Atkinson for Senate, Atkinson for Senate uh, dot com or dot org. Uh, try them both until you get her. All right, let's go to uh, Rick. Call it Wow from San Antonio, Texas. Maybe he's been holding on since I was on the national show for uh, you you today. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind, good sir? Well, two, two quick points. They kind of tie together. Number one, I'm concerned with the. Uh, with these House committees and their investigations, I'm just wondering if there's the reason they're going on and on and on the way they are is to find a process crime that they can can charge the president with, rather than uh, the collusion or obstruction uh, articles that that Mueller investigated. And the second point, and the reason for that is. Uh, when they bring the president up on impeachment, what kind of discovery does he does he have? Since this isn't a a, a, a trial in a courtroom, does he get the same type of discovery that he would? Would he be able to subpoena all of their records and minutes and uh, emails and texts and so forth? I, I think the I think the Democrats would would have a real issue. Uh, with this in the middle of an election campaign uh, where, you know, if I were the president, you know, legal team, I'd be trying to show that, that you know, they're trying to disenfranchise uh, 63 million American voters. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just, I'm well, just curious what, what kind of discovery the, the president has 
during an impeachment since it's the Senate uh, and not not a courtroom. Yeah, that's well. That's kind of what I said a few minutes ago uh, about Mitch McConnell having broad uh, leeway to set the parameters of the trial that would be held in the Senate. Um, and and as far as this, uh, you better believe he's going to give the president every single bit, every opportunity uh, that he wants uh, to to subpoena every single record the Democrats have. And see, this is the this is the part about it that I I really want people to understand. What President Trump has done by giving Bill Barr, the Attorney General, the order, not the authority, he already had the authority, the order saying release and declassify all of the Russia probe documents. It is going to show the American people all of the dirty tricks, all of the underhanded deep state style, um, you know, coup attempts that have been made against him by the FBI and by the DOJ while Barack Obama was still president and he was still just candidate Trump. And then during the transition period before Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017. I think all of those things are going to be ferreted out by Barr and then also by, as Peter now pointed out, by um, uh, the uh, Inspector General Horowitz and by the uh, prose- uh, 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 federal prosecutor, former federal prosecutor, now investigator John Durham. And I think all of these things are going to be very, very embarrassing for the Democrats. And I think if they realize that a trial in the Senate, as they try to have President Trump removed from office by way of impeachment and conviction, it's only going to get worse. I think they'll back off. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of bluster right now, but there's a reason Nancy Pelosi is still lukewarm on all of this. The left was livid, by the way, at her yesterday. Livid, because she continues to say, well, you know, impeachment is not off the table, but the Democrats, her own party, the Democrats really are going to have to present a compelling case in order for this to happen. She's trying to cool their jets, and I think she knows it's because there are a whole lot of really embarrassing things, a lot of illegal things that are going to be exposed about her party, and even going back to her party's former um, executive administration, the Obama administration. I think that's why she's cooling her jets. So as far as discovery, I can't speak specifically to that because I'm not an attorney and I don't know what the law is going to allow. But I do know that McConnell is going to be able to set a lot of the conditions, as I just talked about. And I think the Democrats are going to do everything they can, at least those with a little bit of reason, are going to do everything they can to avoid having to open up their own books, as it were, uh, which is what they would have to do if they're going to try to convict the president. Thank you, my friend, for calling from San Antonio. I always appreciate getting uh, listeners uh, by way of... uh, uh, WHKRadio.com or through uh, our app or through iHeart or wherever it is that you're tuning in from. Uh, John is in uh, Madison. Uh, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Great show. I was listening to your conversation with uh, Mr. Piper. Uh, I'm going to just ask a question. I want to take a listen to your response. Now, we're talking 17 states that are not going to be allowing counseling for somebody with a personality disorder, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, well, what about the conservative, Bible-believing pa- pastors that do have uh, degrees in counseling, and they give that individual counseling within the walls? So, you got, obviously, these pastors go above, you know, God's law is well above the laws of man. So what's going to happen to these pastors? They're not going to listen to what, they're, what the law says, and they're going to try to help these people. And I just want to listen to your opinion when these pastors choose to stand with God and instead of man. Great show, Bob. God bless. John, thank you. God bless you as well. Um, 
It, that's a very difficult question, obviously, um, because the laws do not uh, do not supersede uh, the church's laws. The church's uh, you know, leaders, pastors, reverends, priests, or whatever they might be, um, are not subject to any kind of uh, any kind of law that says you can't counsel people on certain things that they have problems with. If somebody goes to confession and and wants to talk, or even if it's not a confession, somebody just wants to go and seek counsel from their 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 um, uh, from their uh, uh, religious leaders, then the law has no place in in stopping that. Um, I don't know how prevalent that would be, to be 100% honest with you. Does a church leader, does a reverend or a pastor or a priest or whatever it might be, have to have a degree in psychological psychology uh, and experience in psychological counseling or just the faith? You know, and, and teaching what the Bible teaches and what their uh, Christian tenets and doctrine teaches. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But I would have to believe that even in these states that have banned psychological counseling, which they call conversion therapy for confused people who are very, very, very in very dangerous and vulnerable positions and situations in their lives, I would think that, yes, that would be a place of refuge. Just as a house of worship can be a sanctuary for someone seeking sanctuary from prosecution or persecution, um, I, I believe that uh, you know a house of God or a religious venue and a religious uh, figure, a uh, religious leader offering counseling or suggestions or a sympathetic ear or whatever it is you want to call it is something that would be untouched and, and, and unable to be touched by the law. I think you raise a really good point. Like I said, I don't know how many of them there are. I don't know how many people would seek that out from their uh, from their you know religious leadership, but I certainly uh, I certainly hope that that's what they would do in these states where they can't seek the kind of counseling that they really want. Thank you for that great question. Somebody, if somebody is a little bit more knowledgeable about it than I wants to weigh in, I'll take your call right away too at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. But we have to make it fast because our final segment is coming up next right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Final segment of the broadcast, as promised, coming your way with more of your phone calls. Let's squeeze them all in if we can do so. That means Fairview Park. Mark, you're up next on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead, Bob. I'm going to move fast. I, you know, I listen to your show. You, uh, you, you explain everything well, Mr. Cousineau, and I watch it. Listen to all the other shows during the day. And, you know, I understand the issues and the whole shot, but one thing we got to do is get borrowing all these people, get them moving, get them moving. I hear people say, no, they should bring this stuff up later, closer to the election. Well, you know how government works and how slow things go. We, they got to get started now and shake up this rat's nest. Thank you, Bob. You got it. Thank you for the phone call, Mark. Appreciate that. You were right. You were going to get through it quickly. Well done, sir. Uh, TJ in Cleveland wants to get in. Let's go, TJ. You're on the air. Yeah, you know, today, Bob, two men I'm most disappointed with. One is Pope Francis for his visit to Mexico condemning America and its wall yeah. while he lives behind the safety and security of the Vatican Wall. And the other one is Mueller, a Vietnam veteran officer. And I'm beginning to understand now what officers like Mueller and John Kerry, why we lost the Vietnam War. Thank you, Bob. 
Thank you, TJ. I appreciate that. Boy, everybody going quickly, as promised. Uh, they really do appreciate that, that we can get a lot more uh, thoughts uh, on the air that way. Uh, as, as far as, you know... I, I, I don't want to call into question anybody's service or anybody's dedication or that and the other, but I, I shared on Hugh Hewitt's program, if you can go back and listen to the Hewitt podcast, okay, I shared the uh, um, the uh, uh, essay or article written by Sean Davis, who is the co-founder of The Federalist today. I think his analysis and explanation of what Bob Mueller's motivation really is and really was, again, I don't want to get into his service and these, these sorts of things, Um. But I think that's as good as it gets. I mean, you you talk about he he examines Mueller and his motivation and his political uh, uh, agenda inside and out, upside and down, and it might give you just a little bit more of a of an idea of why he did what he did, and uh, you know, especially after he essentially did clear the president of the United States of collusion and cannot prove that he did any obstruction, which means he is thus cleared as well to then slap the president on the way out the door by saying, you know, I am forbidden by federal law and American tradition from indicting a sitting president. Wait a minute. You just told us you didn't have anything to indict him on anyway. Why would you then say I didn't indict him because of the law, because it's unconstitutional? There is a reason for his behavior. And I think it's something, again, if you go back and listen or just read the the article yourself at thefederalist.com, Sean Davis's article really, really uh, examines Mueller very carefully. Brooke Park is our next stop. Frank, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Thank you. Hey, it's Saturday, January, June 1st this Saturday. Yes, and it we're is. we're meeting at the Benedictine Abbey for Mass at 9.15. And after that, we go down the hill, a little quarter mile away, to the Killingest Abortion Mill in Cleveland, in Ohio, I should say, in Ohio. And then we come back afterward for a brunch. So you'd have a good time. Nice meal. That is a uh, wonderful reminder. I'm so glad, because the last time we talked, you said, I think you said it's the first Saturday of every month, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. First Saturday of every month, so this time it would be on the first day of the month, <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday, uh, this uh, coming Saturday, June 1st, at the Benedict- Benedictine Abbey. At what time? At 9.15 is Mass. There's actually confessions at 8.30 for Catholics. Okay. And there's a Mass. And afterward, we get down the, just a short distance away to the Killingest Abortion Chamber in Ohio. And how long, how, long, how long do you stand, uh, stand there in, uh, in prayer and in... Uh, uh, support of uh, unborn an hour babies. and a half, approximately. Okay. And, and approximately... Car, too. I mean, you can sit in your car. It's parking sure. Us. Approximately parking how many car. people How many people do you normally have down there, uh, Frank? Well, uh, normally it's, it's kind of interesting. It jumps up and down. But okay. uh, 30 people... Okay. We the only reason I ask is I want to know if there's an impact here by us talking about it on the air. I want you to call me back next week and tell me if there was an increase in people on Saturday. I would really hope that there would be if people have the opportunity to go down there, uh, go to Mass, say some prayers, pray for life, support the uh, pre-born children that are, that, are, that are butchered in that facility, uh, and then uh, we'll get a report on that next week. Thank you, Frank. God bless you for what you do and everybody who is there supporting with you. All right, that's all the time that I have. Thanks for being a part of the show today. It was busy and a fast one. We're back tomorrow for the, with a free-for-all Friday. Have a great one. Bye. Enjoy the silence.